I want you to notice Proverbs 22 and verse number 7. The wise man Solomon would render these words and he said that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is subject or servant to the lender. The rich ruleth over the poor. How many understand that's right? It's okay. It's okay. Say, say that's right. That's, that's right. The, the rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrow is servant to them. The word servant in the Hebrews is actually ebed, and it means to be a slave or in bondage. To be a slave or in bondage. It literally means that you are incarcerated. I've said for years that the worst incarceration is the place without bars. Incarceration of the mind. Incarceration of your emotions. Incarcerated in a relationship that's not getting better but getting worse. Financial bondage is a prison. It is a place of incarceration. If you are in debt, you are a slave in bondage. The vast majority of Americans are in financial incarceration. We are slaves to our finances. The average American, according to a recent study, spends $1.22 per every dollar they make. And society continues to lie to us it continues to entice us. It continues to make us impetuous buyers, impulsive buyers. We can't live without it. I've seen it on TV. They're driving it. If they're driving it, I need it. And we become incarcerated to the almighty dollar. I find it very interesting in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that he would say that no man can serve two masters. I would have felt much better if he would have said, you can't serve God and the devil. How many would have felt better if that's what the scripture would have said? You can't serve God and the devil. He did not even pit the devil in a category against God. The only thing that he positioned in a place of God-likeness was mammon. Mammon is literally the god of money. 
And so he said, you cannot serve two masters. Notice how he said that, masters. Jesus would say to one group of people, if I be your Lord and master, then why do you not do what I command you to do? If I'm your master, then you're subject to me, and so you should do what I command you to do. And so Jesus said here in Matthew chapter 6, he says, No man can serve two masters, for you will love the one and you will despise the other. You, you're going to serve, every one of us here today will serve something. We will serve. We, we are made to be servants. And God said, the greater choice is for you to be servant to me. I hadn't mentioned it recently, but I want to mention it again and put it in your notes to read Deuteronomy 28. One of the most fascinating verses or chapters in the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 28. It, it's that chapter that we like to talk about. It makes us kind of get all giddy and, and emotional and get that warm, fuzzy feeling. It talks about being blessed in the city and being blessed in the field. It talks about being blessed in going out and blessed in coming in. It talks about being blessed in the city and blessed in the field. It, it, it gives you all of those blessings, and they're, they're wonderful, the first 15 verses. And, but it, it begins like this. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken, notice what he said, diligently. How many understand that to, to be successful in life, you've got to be diligent about it? How many understand that to be successful spiritually, you've got to be diligent about it? See, in the, in the laws of the universe, and sometimes we don't, we, we don't understand that in the law of the universe, there are principles that God put in place that God cannot violate, and when we violate them, we bring disaster into our lives. There is a law in the universe called the law of reversal to type. What the law of reversal of type simply says is that there is a propensity to return back to its original form. Hmm, feel a little Holy Ghost now. There's a propensity for the, the object to return back to its original form. You'll find this when you, you begin to, to garden and, and you begin to try to take care of your grass. But see, what it is, is there's a law of reversal to type. And the law of reversal to type said that when God cursed the earth, the earth is going to produce bread by the sweat of your brow. <laughs> and if you don't maintain the earth and you don't till the soil and you don't weed the garden and you don't take care of it there is a a propensity of this to return back to what it was because it's cursed and so you got to work at it you and I are no different and because you're dirt you have a curse upon you can I help somebody today because you are dirt, there is a propensity for you to return back to the cursed nature. And so you've got, and I have to work diligently to maintain a spirituality. It's not easy to pray. 
The, the Bible said that the spirit's will in the flesh is weak. So many times that the flesh preempts the spirit. But you have to just say, dirt, you're cursed, and I take authority of you. We're going to our knees to spend some time in prayer. See, if you don't start weeding the garden of your life, uh, see, the reason you have problems uh, in a lot of areas of life, not just finances, uh, is because you don't spend any time in the garden. Woo, feel the Holy Ghost up in here. You don't spend any time in the garden. You got to go out to the garden. You got to take the hoe. You got to take the weeds out. You got to put some, some water on it. You've got to spend some time in the garden. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. We deal normally with the fruit. But the fruit's not the problem. The root's the problem. See, we address symptoms. You go to a doctor, they will address the symptoms. We need the great physician to address the root of the issue. The root of the problem. See, you keep cutting the tree down, but the tree keeps growing up. You keep cutting the symptoms off, but the tree keeps growing up. You're not dealing with the issue of the problem. I challenge you to go read, like from Genesis chapter 30 through Genesis 32, the encounter of a boy by the name of Jacob. Jacob was a messed up individual. He had some issues. He had some problems. I mean, he had a problem coming out of the womb. I'm serious. You go read it. The Bible said that Esau was born first, but Jacob grabbed his heel and was trying to pull him back. So they named him Heel Grabber, which ultimately meant cheater and scandal, scoundrel and, and, and conniver and all of these, these derogatory terms and he spends all of his life and, and the Bible makes a very interesting statement it said Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob there was abandonment issues see when you have abandonment issues uh, a lot of times you get attached to things because we have believed a lie we have believed that things will make us happy. Things will never make you happy. You can enjoy them, but they will never replace the true need that we have in our life. The true need that we have in our life can only be satisfied when we have a relationship with God. When we repent, when we're baptized, when we're filled with His Spirit. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the only... Oh, I feel like shouting a little bit. That's the only thing that's going to bring you lasting peace. You can gain the whole world and lose your soul. But if you've got Jesus, you can go through life with... Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> things attachment and so Jacob spends 21 years trying to be the biggest and the baddest and the best and he tries to amass all of this fortune and he's good at it and he does it 
And he leaves his father-in-law Laban's house and he's got more servants and more animals and more stuff than Laban ever had. But he's about to have an encounter with his past. Can somebody here pastor right now? Because I got a word from you. Sooner or later, you're going to have to face your past. Sooner or later, the thing that you refuse to take control over will come back and pay you a visit. Ask Saul. Saul, go down and utterly destroy the Amalekites. He comes back with Agag the king. He comes back with sheep and bulls and all kinds of stuff. And Samuel says he can't see. And he thought he was going to pull one over on Samuel because he knew Samuel's eyesight was going. And, and I did exactly what you said, Samuel. And then he, Samuel said, but what, what's, the, what's the lowing of the oxen? What, what's the sound? See, some of you are haunted by the sounds. Some of you, sleep is raw. I'm in a little vein right now for somebody. Some of you are haunted by the voices of yesterday because you've never dealt with them. You, you try to make everybody else, everybody that can see you, they think you're okay and they think you've got it all together. But there's some voices that rob you from your sleep, rob you from peace, rob you from any kind of, of, of harmony in your life. And you're living this life, it's pseudo, it's fake, it's a charade, and God sent a preacher on a Sunday morning to tell somebody that you've got to deal with some things. If you've got unrepentant sin in your life, you're never going to go forward. If you've got some things you need to fix, see, we've got to, oh God help me, Holy Ghost. See, we have cheapened grace. We have, we have cheapened grace to accept our lifestyle. Let me get down here with you so, so I can talk to all of us today. We, we have cheapened grace to a point that it doesn't matter how I live or what I do, grace is going to cover it. If I write a check, grace is going to cover it. If I sin, grace is going to cover it. I can live any way I want to live and grace is going to cover it. I know grace and I know what it is. But ladies and gentlemen, Paul said in Romans chapter 6, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he answers, answers his own question. He said, God forbid. Some of you are wanting to prosper, but you've not taken care of some things in your life. Some of you are wanting to go forward, but you'll never go forward until you first of all take a step. Oh, I don't want to take a step back. That, that means I'm going backwards. Some of you need to take a step back because it's only when you take a step back that you're going to be able to move forward. We've cheapened repentance to just something we say, I'm sorry. But repentance, repentance is about making a change. See, we're, we're, our society is drunk on change. We're intoxicated on change, but we don't even know what we're changing. 
We're just changing because somebody else is doing it, and I think it looks cool, and so I think I'll try it. And, and, and we're just changing for the sake of changing. We don't have any idea what it was about or, or why they're doing what they're doing. That just looks cool, so I think I'll do it. We don't understand what brought them to a place that they had to make a... Repentance is about making a concise decision. When we repent does not give us license to go back out and do the same thing that we're repenting of. Repentance says that I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm trying to get around to, to, to Proverbs, you know, and, and, and the money thing, but, but there's something we need to clear up because, ladies and gentlemen, money is not the problem. Money is not the problem. You, you could have all the money in the world and still be broke. You, you, you can have all the money. You, you can go buy all the new cars and buy all the new houses and, and buy all the new clothes uh, and you'll still be the nasty person. I'm not being mean today. I'm being real. Because we, we dress ourselves up to what we want to be, but we're not dealing with who we are. Who I got a word for somebody today. I said, we're, we're not dealing with the issues. Jacob, you're about to meet Esau. The one you've been running from for 21. <laughs> the one you've been trying to avoid and play hide and go seek with. You're about to have an encounter with your brother. Some of you are spending your entire life robbed of any peace of mind or tranquility because you're running from something that happened years and years ago. You're still controlled by an event that happened in your life. You still consider yourself a failure because of an event in your life. Can I tell somebody today, failure is not a person. Uh, failure is an event uh, and you need to address it, get over it, get up and go on. And so, what does Esau do? He tries to buy his way out. Am I helping anybody today? He tries to buy his way out of an encounter with Esau. He said, you take all these animals and all these servants and you go meet Esau and say they're a gift from Jacob but you will never have enough money to buy your way out of sin you will never have enough money to buy yourself out of an abusive relationship I'm walking where angels fear to tread, but I'll stand bold in the Holy Ghost today. You'll never have enough money to repair that relationship that you had with your parent. You'll never have enough money to bring you peace of mind. 
because you can get and get and get and get, but until you address the issue and until you address what's going on inside of you, dress it up, buy Armani, Versace, whatever you want to buy, put it on or get your clothes at the Goodwill. It really doesn't matter as long as you try to dress yourself up to be something you're not. You will live with a, with a war going on inside of you like was in Rebecca's womb when Esau and Jacob and she goes to God and said something's going on in my womb he said there's a war there's two natures or two nations ah help me Holy Ghost there's two nations that are fighting right now while pastors trying to preach and help somebody there's a battle going on inside of somebody there's nations that are fighting there's a war going on there's struggles going on you will never have peace until you deliver that thing and come to grips with it ever 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 you'll never buy your way out of it you'll never have enough things why are you so angry why do you let a, a root of bitterness grow inside of you and you soothe it trying to get it drunk on your success God help me Holy Ghost Jesus said I'm the stone I'm the stone that the builders rejected. And he said, unless you fall on the stone and you are broken, unless you fall on the stone and allow yourself to be broken, one of these days, the stone is going to come crashing down on you. And when it's finished, it will grind you into powder. I don't come to this service to play games. I don't come to this pulpit to play games. I'm trying to rescue people from yourself. I'm trying to rescue. See, it's not even the devil. Well, the devil's been after me all day, bless his holy name. It's not the devil, it's you. There's a book out, you need to read it. It says, I met the enemy and the enemy is me. I am my own worst enemy. I struggle with me more than I struggle with anybody else. And God sends me here. I can talk about money. I can talk about investments. I can talk about savings. I got it all here. I can talk to you about budget and, and and Martin here, he's got a great budget, man. You can put it on your computer. He's going to make some copies and put out here. You need a budget because that's a plan. And we're going to talk about a plan. But God sent me here and messed up my sermon today to tell somebody. If I can make another dollar, if I can. <laughs> really? Really? You're trying to hide your insufficiencies by how much money you got? Nobody cares how much money you got. We got a generation of pretenders. <laughs> drive whatever you can drive. 
I'm thankful God's blessed me. I have two very nice automobiles that God allows me to drive. But I know what it is, ladies and gentlemen, not to have anything to drive. I know what it is to watch a repo man pull up to our drive and take the only car. Not because I was lazy and not because I wasn't trying, but because I had fallen on some very difficult times. But God began to teach me some things as I went through that. As I lost dignity in front of people. As my electric bill was not able to be paid. I was walking through some very difficult times. But God was showing me that I'm faithful in the good times and I'm faithful in the bad times. But sir and ma'am, if you think money's gonna make things better without dealing with yourself, you have eaten the biggest lie pie that could ever be eaten because it's a generation of pretenders. I want to look good and I want to impress people. Where are some real people that say, I've got to eat beans for six months until I can pull my way out of this? Then I'm willing because it's about being real.